Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. What a game. What a preseason. What a training camp. But, (laughs) so it is a little after 1 a.m. here. Rob King and I did the radio post-game show from the studios in Bridgeville. And I didn't pay attention to the weather report or anything. And obviously, in a radio studio, it's soundproof. You don't really, you're in there. You're not looking out the window. So, happy to be done. Take a bunch of calls. Maybe one of you guys called in. Thanks. Good stuff. Use the bathroom on the way out. Walk out. And, oh, my lordy, lordy. It is pouring electrical storm. Like, as big a storm as you can get. And I'm like, oh, no. So... I just run right through it and <laughs> to my car. That was 20 minutes ago. I am still sopping wet, standing here in my basement. I could wring my shirt out. Drove the whole way home like that. Could barely see the road. <laughs> Stuff all over the road. Bramble. No other cars out there. But here we are. Good to be home. Good to be done with the preseason. We're going to have a nice long 17-game stretch here before to get Steelers-Niners. But... Forgive me, this probably won't be the longest of podcasts, and I plan on coming back hopefully tomorrow, Saturday at the latest, with second thoughts on this game. But frankly, I mean, just to be honest, this was just dominance. I mean, it truly was. And we've seen this all through the preseason. And folks, I'm going to start with a negative, which isn't really a negative, but it's the same thing I told you with Tampa. This was an awful opponent. I mean, they rested everybody, everybody, and I don't understand it. I mean, these teams that played tonight, Thursday night, have the longest break of any teams in the NFL before their first real game. You can't tell me that Desmond Ritter couldn't use a little bit of work. I mean, I'm not here to criticize the opponent, but that was a bad product they put out. I mean, much like Tampa two weeks ago. These are bad football teams. This isn't the Chiefs resting Mahomes. I just don't understand it. I mean, with the break they have, get a series or two or a quarter or something. But if they're going to roll out a terrible team, a good team should dominate them. And that's the word I'm just going to keep saying. Domination. I mean, all three phases. Maybe not in the fourth quarter or whatever, but still, they won 24 nothing. I'm going to get to some things, but... These were the halftime stats. It was 24-0 at the half. Time of possession. The Steelers had 20 minutes of time of possession out of 30. Atlanta had 10 even. The Steelers ran 38 plays as opposed to 22. They had 16 first downs against four for Atlanta. Yards per play. Every time they snapped the ball, the Steelers got 6.7 yards. Atlanta got 2.5. Total yards in the first half, 253 to 55. Rushing yards. I mean, this makes me laugh. 128 Steeler rushing yards, five for the Falcons. Five. McFarland, 10 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown. The Steelers' collective quarterbacks, 11 for 13. For 125 yards. Deep into the half, they hadn't even thrown an incompletion. 
Atlanta's quarterbacks, 7 of 13 for 50 yards. Then the second half starts. Herbig destroys the right tackle and then beats him again the next play. I mean, all I can say is dominance, dominance, dominance. So I do have some notes. I'm going to take this quick break and maybe wring out my shirt. Hopefully the uh, electricity doesn't go off in my house because it is storming like crazy. And I'll be back in a moment. All right, uh, there's probably some things here you know. It doesn't take advanced scouting to really break this game down. Dominance, dominance. Toward the first half numbers. The Steelers' ones on offense, the first-team offense, have had five drives now in the preseason and have scored five touchdowns. Explosives all over the place, all preseason, including this one. I mean, the game, right off the bat, first two plays – Aren't great. So it's third and long. Boom. Hits Deontay right down the sideline like it's nothing. What a preseason Deontay Johnson's had, by the way. I mean, it's easy to say Pickens and Pickett and all these explosives. Deontay's been open all the time. Again, one of my notes, why would not? Why would Atlanta not take this game more seriously? I don't understand the logic at all. Okay. So some other things here. The one There's two things I want to pay more attention to. Well, a couple. I mean, I'm going to definitely look at snap counts and going to dig into this thing more. Trust me, I promise. But Kendrick Green got the start at right guard. James Daniels didn't play. It looked like he played well. Now, my hunch is if Herbig was healthy, that would have been Herbig there. I mean, Herbig has to be ahead of Green on the depth chart. I'm definitely going to watch every snap of Kendrick Green and see how he did. Now, I think at this point, Kendrick Green is probably a better guard than center. I mean, I consistently say, looks good in practice, he's an athlete, blah, 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 and then the lights go on and he's bad. I don't think he was in this game, but I'm going to double check. There's some times you saw him pulling, getting out in space. Maybe it's just the snapping and getting that hand up and all that type of things and all the mental stuff that goes with being a center. That gives them troubles. I mean, I'm trying to narrow it down, give them the benefit of the doubt. But if he's not a center and he's only a guard, he's not going to start here. He's not ahead of Herbig. He's probably not ahead of Dotson. You don't need five guards and a borderline center, borderline's kind. So even if he was awesome in this game, do you keep him? I mean, the only way I can see it happening is if you have a trade partner for Dotson, which maybe there is, you know, trade him for a fifth or sixth round pick or something like that and keep green. Don't even have him active on game day. Or if you do, you can do the fullback stuff with him. I just think it's the brutal league and, you know, this is probably his last game as a Steeler. A couple other little notes. And I wrote about this two weeks ago. Go check it out. The article still holds up. Benton is a dude. Benton is a really good player already and has a chance to be a really good player. Like, noticeably better nose tackle than Tyson Alualu ever was. And that's a pretty good mouthful. 
and as well as rotate in with Joby and Cam. Like, I feel like this dude is demanding playing time in all circumstances, as a nose, as a the third guy in on the interior. He is really impressive. Two more notes. Special teams, again, really, really good. But what I really need to look into, and I told you this earlier in the week, is when we talk about making the final roster, Elijah Riley, guys like that, who's getting the special team snaps? That's what it's going to come down to. Norwood versus Riley. Uh, Boykin's making the team, but can can Muse get on the team? You know, Kiewikowski, I think, is on the way out. But the this roster is sure seems to me that it's much more set after the final preseason game than just about any year I can remember, with the exception of, hey, Danny, who are the guys you like best on special teams? We'll fit them in. I really feel like that's basically all that matters. And I told you, the Robinsons, you know, those guys and Riley played the most special team snaps. Kenny Robinson, Mark Robinson, last game. I assume that's what you're going to see again. Because I can't stress this enough, special teams practice is so unlike a game. So every snap, whether it's 10 snaps, 12 snaps that you get in these preseason games is going to go an extremely long way to who makes this roster. So last little nugget, and this isn't perfect, but one thing you've seen through these three games is, especially the first two games, the opponent had tons of penalties. Well, what I'm seeing from the Steelers, even when they get their ones quickly out of the game, is not a lot of mistakes. And I'm not talking about just penalties. I'm talking about people going to the wrong gaps, running wrong routes, awkward stuff, even down the line players, communication, where to go with the football, fumbles, turnovers, sloppy play. Preseason is notoriously sloppy for every team out there. I'm just not seeing it top to bottom on this roster through three preseason games. And you have to credit the coaching staff for that. Of course, Tomlin, but no one ever gives position coaches credit. They are on their P's and Q's with all these positions. You know, like, I I, I can't stress that enough either. You know, the inside linebackers are playing a little over their head, you know, like, Secondary doesn't look exposed. Pass rush is crazy good. You know, the offense is clicking. So I think there's a lot to get excited about. I'm going to dry off. (laughs) Hopefully we have power here in the morning. And what's not to like about what we've seen through three games? All right. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Over and out. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.